You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Everything basement-y since 1992, serving Calgary and southern Alberta. At the bottom of the hour, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will get his take on the Flames. Tell us about Hockey Night in Canada from Owen Sound, Ontario this Saturday. Some of the big names that are going to be joining them out there. It's going to be a full-day broadcast, you know? No what, goofing around on Hockey usual, Day in Canada. It's what usually afternoon game for the Flames on Saturday. A little nude matinee here at the Dome, which you don't usually get. Yeah, you think fans prefer that sometimes? Good little change-up? I think it's a good uh, day for families. Yeah. Like, because, you know, 7 o'clock, if you got young kiddos, you're leaving the Dome at 10 o'clock, you drive, then you're taking, what, 30 minutes to just get three blocks away from the Dome, then you got to get your rest of your drive home. By the time you're getting the kids to bed, it's well past 11 o'clock. I don't know. I don't have children. I don't. I just assume that's how it goes. Right. Whereas this, yeah, you can get them there at noon. You can assume that it's not going to be the same type of gasoline-fueled building that it can be on a Saturday night for, say, a Battle of Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you feel a little more comfortable in the crowd. Yeah. Not to say that it's a bad crowd or anything, but, you know. And and then after the Flames game, you can go home and watch playoff football. <laughs> awesome. What a, what a day. Yeah, Saturday's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Luke Gazdick, uh, Gazdick uh, will join us at 8 o'clock, Sportsnet NHL analyst. And uh, Maddie D., Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors, will join us at 8.30. Uh, we have uh, the Big Show Hour 4, more Big Show. big Better Big Show? Better Big Show. Uh, what do you got coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, producer Patty Dumont? Uh, I got Jamie Dodd out from uh, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Going to mm. talk some Canucks and their nonsense. Okay, yeah, there is a lot of nonsense in Vancouver. Lots of nonsense in Vancouver. Um, It's that time of the show. I've teased this the last day and a half now, seemingly. This better be good. Like, but if it isn't, then what? Like, are you going to cost me on the air? Like, what's going to happen? Like, do I have just some sort of consequences? Um, no, I no, yeah, no. There's no consequences whatsoever. Right. Do whatever you want because I've been listening. Because I, I, I'm a, I'm a Pat Steinberg like post game show listener. I should call in once, maybe to the show. Do you, do you listen to the whole telethon or? Uh, no, like I usually bail out when the callers start rolling in, but again, like that's, and again, he's got a good stable of people who call in and I'm a fan, a lot of those callers, but, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a post game show listener. And, uh, what I've heard a lot from our listeners and I've heard around the station, listening to the station, like I do when I'm around the city, uh-huh. um, the team plays better in front of Dan Vladar. So I'm like, huh? If only we had some sort of resource within Sportsnet where they could look such things up. And lo and behold, I sent an email yesterday. Took a lot of uh, a lot of work by me. You tippy tapped your keyboard for like thirty seconds. Yeah, and sent them an email. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't give them enough time yesterday for the show <laughs> to see what we were going to do and what these numbers would be. But I finally have the numbers. You have not seen these numbers. No, producer Patrick Dumas has not seen these numbers. But before I read them, I asked you guys earlier. Yes. I'm going to give you a chance to change your mind. I'm going to give you a chance like the end of Deal or No Deal where they ask you, do you want to change the case with your case or the final case remaining? 
Do you want to change your answer? Does the team play better in front of Markstrom or Vladar? Statistically, Matty Rose. Howie, I'm going to keep my case. Okay. I said Dan Vladar. They've played better in front of him recently. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Producer uh, Patrick Dumont, are you changing your case? No, you don't change your case. Uh, (laughs) I agree with you. Yeah, no, Vladar, I think they play better in front of Vladar. Stick to your your convictions. Keep your case. With all due respect to Piper and uh, Airdrie, who texted in, um, I actually have the the real big numbers. So, here we go. Uh, Jacob Marstrom has played in 31 games. Dan Vladar, 14. Yes. Okay. Sure. Goal difference as a whole. Mm. Markstrom minus four. Vladar plus nine. Okay. Okay. That's just goal difference. Twice as many games. Yeah. But the the goal differential is about 13 goals. It is 13 goals. And Markstrom's on the negative end. Vladar's on the top. Okay. 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 All right. Now let's dive deeper into these numbers. All right. Tell me a little more. Goals for five on five. For Markstrom, 59. Five-on-five goals against for Markstrom, 59. Zero differential. Okay, They've scored just as many as they've allowed five-on-five with Jacob Markstrom in net. Hmm. A straight push. Yeah. Intriguing. Yes. Okay. Now, Dan Vladar. Yeah. 37 goals five-on-five. Mm-hmm. Goals four. 28 five-on-five goals against. Plus nine differential. Another one leading in Dan Vladar's case here. By a um, pretty big margin. Plus nine is significant, especially when you count in the fact that Dan Vladar has played half the games that Jacob Markstrom has played. Now now these two numbers here, these are the ones that really stuck out to me. Okay. Power play percentage with Jacob Markstrom in net. The Flames are 15 of 92. That's only, yes, Patty Dumas, that's only 16.3%. That would rank them 30th in the NHL, tied with Philadelphia and Nashville. Their penalty kill is 87 for 106, 82.1%, which obviously has more to do with Markstrom, ninth best in the NHL. Okay. Got it? Yep. With Dan Vladar in net, the power play, 13 for 52. 25%, that would be the seventh best power play in the NHL, tied with the LA Kings. And their penalty kill percentage, which has way more to do with Dan Vladar, very good. 44 of 53, 83%, fifth best in the NHL. Hmm. The numbers are jarringly in favor of a Dan Vladar here. Now... Now, here is the here's the topper, the cherry on top. All right. The icing on the cake. I have no more. No, you, I thought you were good. That yeah, was I thought, nice. I, I, I was maybe thinking of one more, but my brain let me down. Yeah, no, it get, usually does. Get the tonic. Yeah, get the get brain. The brain, tonic. brain and nerve tonic. So you might you may ask yourself, hey, but maybe Markstrom's played the tougher opponents and Vladar hasn't. Hey, Matt. I, has Markstrom played the tougher opponents and Dan Vladar hasn't? So the winning percentage of teams that Markstrom has played this season, 533 winning percentage. Above 500 by a, a, a decent margin, but nothing crazy. 
Dan Vladar, the teams he's played winning percentage, 609. Significantly higher. 533 is not a playoff team in the league right now. 609 is. Damn right. So there you go. The numbers bear out that the team actually plays better with Dan Vladar in net. Which of these stats, we'll start with you, producer Patrick Dumont, was the most eye-popping to you? I'm thinking it's the quality of opponent. Mm. Okay. I think you you always get the whole, like, okay, well, the backup's going to get the weaker of the teams Mm. and whatnot. It's like a 6-0, what was that, 6-0-3? 6-0-9. 6-0-9. That's the LA Kings right now. They're a 6-0-9 win percentage. Okay. And that's just, like, I think that that sticks out big time. It's like, doesn't matter who the opponent is. Ladar will step up against the, and play against a better opponent, and it shows right now. That that's a big one for me. Is that that winning percentage? And for you, Manny Rose, I think it's the five on five scoring because the Flames were what even when Markstrom was in net fifty nine four and plus, sorry fifty nine four fifty nine against so even and then plus nine when Dan Vladar is in the net correct and that is on a significantly less amount of games. You know, my immediate thought going through all of this was, look at I, I'm going to look at the schedule because did Dan Vladar play way more games at the start of the season when the Flames were maybe really trying to figure things out? You know, we talk so much, oh, so much change and all that type of jazz. But then again, like there was that run in the middle where they're still definitely trying to figure it out and Vladar went in and saved them a whole bunch of games. Like, I don't know if I could look at the schedule and say, that's the reason. Yeah. So, yeah, like the numbers back it up that the team has played better in front of Dan Vladar this season. Oh, we got a text right away. What about the strength of schedule? Yeah, Vladar has actually faced better opponents. And that has been something that Daryl Sutter has done for the last two seasons since he's been here. Like we talked about, it was Vladar who faced the Avalanche twice in the regular season last year. And that Avalanche team was what the Boston Bruins are this year. Mm -hmm. Like, if... You're going to put a, a flyer bet. You got 10 bucks laying around. You want to make like $4. <laughs> Go ahead and throw it on the Bruins to win the whole darn thing. Um, I also got a text. You should look at what the time of possession is. Okay, let's. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's okay. I'm sure that number is available. Could you just. Shoot that off to Sportsnet Stats. Hey, guys, I know that you took yeah. uh, all day yesterday to grinding out numbers. to work these out for me. Okay. Uh, could you I... count every time of possession in every game? Um, the special teams was super interesting to me. Does the fact that the Flames suck on the power play with Markstrom and Nett, and then they're spectacular with Vladar in the net, does that matter to you in any way? Or that's just... that If there's any stat in there and that again, is... And again, they're playing weaker opponents, remember, with Markstrom and Nett. True. But if there's any stat in there that I would call snake oil, it would be the Flames' power play. Just because I think that when the power play goes over the ice every time, they want to score. They're not necessarily thinking, oh, Jacob Markstrom is behind us, so we got to score, or Dan Vladar is behind us, so we got to score. I that one looks to that one feels to me like just kind of like a happenstance outlier type of stat. Okay, where's the penalty kill? I'm totally behind. Uh, and the rest of all those stats, I, I think, yeah. really, really the, tell the truth. But the power play one yeah. feels to me like, yeah. Uh, the penalty kill is almost identical. Mm-hmm. 83 to 82.1. 83 for Vladar, 82.1 for Markstrom. It's that, almost identical. Yeah, and, and that's not really jarring to me. Like, the PK has been really good. Right. The group the has been solid all season. Backlin and Yeah. It, 
it's a power kill in some days. Yeah. Like it's it's very good. When Lindholm and Backlund get that first clear, mm-hmm. good luck getting back in the zone. Probably uh, probably going to give up a chance. Does that power play number with Markstrom do anything for you, Patty Dumont? Um, it's a little bit of like a concern there. I mean, it 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 it's interesting. It no? is interesting it's, it's, how. It, you like be, it's a full almost nine percent better with Vladar and Net. A complete opposite spectrum of the where they would be in the league with that too. Yeah, it is fascinating like, to see. The disparity is surprising, but I I don't feel like the disparity is because of the goaltender. You know, like of all those, mm-hmm. I that to me that one just feels like a bit of an outlier. Mm-hmm. But I could be totally out to lunch on that as well. Uh, again, it's. There's always when when you're dealing in, in, in sports and with fans, uh, there's always that uh, you know confirmation bias, always prisoner of the moment thing. But these numbers bear out that the Flames have been better with Jay, with with Dan uh, Dan Darnett, and not so much with Jacob Markstrom. And Markstrom has played inferior opponents through this season. Obviously, more games played with 31. But the win percentage is us five thirty three, and that was important to me too to find out because right away you already think of okay, well backup goalie gets the easier assignments because he's the backup. Well, that's not the case here in Calgary. Vladar's played better opponents with the six oh nine winning percentage. Yeah, and d- listen, Dan Vladar's had a very strong season. He got signed to the extension midway through what was it the first month, the second month of the year. He's been very good. For the Flames, since they acquired him via trade. And I think he kind of has earned more and more trust in the coaching staff. Like, you go back to December 1st. Prior to that, he had seven starts. And you got his starts there. How many does he have total? Dan Vladar? 14. So, an even split. Seven and seven. Although that math feels wrong. Um... But first and but from the front half of the season to the back half of the season, he's gotten a little bit more of consistent runs. Mm-hmm. The first half it was like once every three games, once every four, once every five. He had that little run to start December. Uh, we saw just on the road trip here getting back to back starts in St. Louis and in Dallas. Like the one thing that I see in Dan Vladar that backs up what the numbers are saying is he has earned more trust from the coaching staff this season. They feel more confident in giving him a little bit more of an extended look, especially as the season has gone on. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, of the whole like playing against lesser opponents thing with Markstrom, of the five teams that are under 400 win percentage, so that's uh, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago, and Columbus, uh, Markstrom started every time except the Arizona game. Hmm. Yeah. So is this a Markstrom thing? Yeah, it's just, it's just like Vladar, like Markstrom getting the starts against the lower-ended teams. Like right. Vladar's start against the Coyotes was the only one, I guess, against the lower opponents. So what I want to ask both of you guys is this, then. Is scoring an issue, or is Markstrom the issue? Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? Um, the, listen. Team, listen, the team is plus nine, five-on-five, five, better with Vladar than Markstrom. And overall goal difference, plus 13 better. It's it's kind of strange because, you know, all of this for me goes back to a player's trust in his goaltender. And it's obviously hard to gauge from the outside. But last year, this guy won a Vesna Cal. He was a Vesna Caliber trophy. He was the runner-up for the trophy. How long do the players maintain that trust 
when things maybe aren't going around. And like we've talked about with Jacob Markstrom, I think you said it yesterday. It's not that he's been bad. It's just that there's a bad instance, two bad instances in a game that a end softie. up costing them. Yep. And that gets back to the scoring that when he's letting in a softie, unlike what he did last season, can you outscore those issues? Should we dial it back on the scoring and maybe point a little more to Markstrom, Patty Dumont? I'm still thinking they need to get that scoring down more. Just It just needs to be the more consistent scoring. You see it more with Huberto. He's got 13 points in 13 games. It's just, You want to see more scoring, and I think that would help everybody out. That's the numbers. Was it... I, I know I, I really sold this to you, mm-hmm. Matty Rose, mm-hmm. but did it deliver for you? Were I think these it, intriguing numbers to you? I think it delivered. I think it was... There were some that definitely stood out as like the five on five, like I said, like that's a pretty big disparity. Um there were there were some jarring numbers and, in there, but I, I don't think I'm watching the games and knowing the results when one guy's in the net and the other guy's in the net. Right. I don't know if I'm overly shocked. Yeah. But they're intriguing. To see the disparity is interesting. Uh tip of the cap uh to all of our listeners saying, Oh no, the team plays better with Vladar. Credit to them, because these numbers back that fact up. There you go. Just got to do a little bit of work, a little tippy-tap on the keyboard, and you get facts. yourself some facts. There you I go. I love facts. I know you do. I love facts. The more you know, George. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, straight ahead, Ron McLean. Hockey Night in Canada. Hockey Day in Canada this Saturday in Owen Sound. We'll talk to Ron about that. Luke Gazdick will join us at 8 o'clock. Sportsnet NHL analyst. Played in the league. We'll ask him. How... how did you know, did you play different in front of your starter or your backup? Mm-hmm. Like, how much more confidence did you have in either goalie? Does that matter? Do you guys in the room talk about that kind of stuff? We'll talk to Luke about that, and we'll wrap up the three hours of our show before we hand things over to Patrick Dumont with Matty Devlin, the voice of the Raptors, at 8.30. And then to, to, to wrap up our show, I keep saying wrap up, wrap up, wrap up, wrap up. Um, <laughs> there was an incident on a BBC soccer show yesterday that you need to hear. I need to hear it? You and the listeners. Okay, I'm in. You need to hear this. Uh-oh. Yeah. Good. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio at the top of the hour. Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHL. We'll ask him, based on these numbers with Markstrom versus Vladar, did you play differently in front of a specific goaltender, your backup or the starter? I think we should revisit this maybe at like this because it's 45 games in now. Yeah. Maybe in about 20 games or so. Take another deep dive. Yeah. Another email to Toronto. Hey, guys, could you uh, check these numbers out? Have they changed at all? Yeah. Let's see where we're going. Absolutely. I'm also going to be interested to see what the splits and starts are in 20 games. We'll do that too. But right now it is hockey day in Canada. On Saturday, live from Owen Sound, Ontario, to talk about that and the rest of the NHL on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to Ron McLean. Ron, how are you? Good morning, men. When you talk to Luke, ask him if he remembers, I don't know why he would, but his first NHL game, I did the interview in the hallway. Normally, I don't know how I ended up in that role that day, Mm -hmm. uh, but I just distinctly remember uh, we all loved his story of making it. And it's funny because Dale DeGray is the general manager here in Owen Sound with the attack of the OHL. 
and he's done a great job. He's in his 16th season. They won the Robertson title is when you win the OHL, and he's had the team in the playoffs 11 consecutive years. But I was working the Flames on 2-7, and seven, March 6, 1986, when he made his NHL debut with the Calgary Flames against the New York Rangers. So it's lots of synergies there. But, yeah, see if Luke remembers getting the Hockey Night towel from uh, from me because it was a nice moment for me and I, I wonder if you remember that uh, I I will ask I will absolutely ask him uh, can you confirm or deny because I was telling this to my co-host yesterday uh, Matt Rose uh, the Lumley Bayshore Community Center in Owen Sound best fries in the OHL Ron confirm or deny well, well that's a Ryan Leslie question as yes. you know <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, this is his hometown of course and uh, Ryan will be a big part uh, while hosting Tampa Calgary on Saturday yeah I would say you know it's funny I do always think about uh, arena food for me the best hamburgers were Leduc. oh uh, so i can't tell you where the best fries were in alberta i should know um but i'll go with that i'll, okay. I'll, I'll go check it out today I'm, i haven't <laughs> i haven't actually had them so uh, i'll try them today and i'll get back to you okay I'll, I, i'm looking forward to that now i have to ask you because you talked about uh interviews what's been your favorite or even maybe a top three interview off the top of your head in all your like years of doing hockey, your legendary broadcasts, yeah. I know well, you're you're an icon in this country. There's no question. What's your well, favorite interview you've done on Hockey Night in Canada? You know, generally, I would say you can never go wrong with Gretzky's interviews. Uh, through the years, uh, he's just penetratingly uh, with it. Uh, he has such a unique take uh, on so many different things. So, anytime I've had the chance to interview Gretzky. Uh, I'm sure you've had it, and uh, you'd know that, especially back, you know, when he was playing. It was, uh, I mean, he was the kind of guy that I'll never forget him saying in 1990, he was in with the Los Angeles Kings at Quebec City, and we were doing a Sunday matinee, and I was talking to him, and maybe it was because he'd left the Oilers that he always followed them closely, but uh, he said, you know, they have a no-name defense, and it wasn't really no names, but Steve Smith and Jeff Bukaboom and Don Jackson. Anyway, he said they're the best six-man unit in the NHL, the best defense, even though there's no glamour left, you know, Koff's gone. Uh, hmm. I feel they have the best defense and I think they have a chance to win the Stanley cup this year. And they did. So he, he was always that way. I remember him vividly at Vancouver Olympics when the Canadian team was fumbling through the first three games and he sat with Brian Williams. I didn't do it, but uh, I just watched him sort of break down how Canada was going to take over the tournament. And they did. Oh, <laughs> it was a squeaker hmm. and he was great in Salt Lake city with his rant. And then I interviewed him there after he had uh, complained about how Fleury had been cross-checked uh, by Roman Hammerlick and how the Americans, you know, it was all propaganda, how the, the Americans were doing so well. He was, he was hysterical taking kind of the heat off Pat Quinn and the team. So he's, he's my number one, but I will say, I often think about this when you start out, you hope for a good interview as the host. And uh, I was so lucky to be in Calgary in my uh, startup 84, 85 seasons because they had 11 NCAA players. Cliff Fletcher had sort of mined the NCAA before it was fashionable. So they were all well-spoken. They were students. Bob Johnson was the coach. You couldn't go wrong. Every interview was good. And one guy stood out. He wasn't actually a collegian. It was Steve Conroyd. And he played with Dale DeGray, the GM here in Owen Sound, and a former Flame. He played with him in uh, Oshawa with the Generals. And he was an incredible interview, insightful. And he went on to be a color commentator with the Chicago Blackhawks. No surprise. Uh, Ron, now I have to ask you this question, too. Uh, for aspiring broadcasters out there, how do you handle an interview, especially maybe with a hockey player, who kind of gives you the one-word answer? When, you, when you're out there trying to ask an open-ended question, yet you're not getting a lot from the player, how did you handle that as a broadcaster? How do you still handle that? 
Well, you know, in the old days, I had the advantage of being at the rink most of the time. And it was really important, I felt, to kind of get the sense, even if I didn't meet the player themselves, uh, if I could speak to scouts or coaches or people in the organization about what's he like, what does it you know, take to get him excited? Is he one that wants to talk about literature or left wing? It was really important to know the kind of person you were interviewing. And I mean, I knew Grant Fuhrer was really humble. And if you wanted to speak about his Vesnas and his great saves, good luck to you, because it was going to be, well, did my job, you know, just doing my job and uh, thanking the boys. And that was it, you know, for the time he played. He was, he's, it's like Paul Coffey. He was quiet as a mouse when he played because he just didn't want anything to be used against him. And he didn't want his own team to think he was cocky. Uh, now he's one of the greatest speakers, but um, you just learn, uh, you try to learn who likes to talk and who doesn't. And if you know you've got someone who doesn't, then you prepare accordingly. You you have a little bit of a story to tell and hopefully that draws them out. And you know all the advice about open-ended questions and such, but I mean, if they're good at yes, no, they're good at yes, no. I don't think you can trick them. Ron, I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm excited to see the storytelling that's going to go on this weekend. And one of the guests you're going to have is Owen Sound Attack alumnus Bobby Ryan uh, a real fascinating player in his time in the NHL and now doing some kind of analyst work. Uh, what stories are you excited to tell with uh, Bobby on the panel uh, over the course of Saturday? Well, one of the neat things we're going to try and do, I don't know if you guys are Formula One fans, but uh, Martin Brundle is the commentator on uh, Sky Sports, and he goes uh, down the starting grid every race, and he interviews whoever he runs into. It could be a... Uh, you know, the guy in charge of the team, it could be the driver, it could be a celebrity. And so we're going to try and pull that off at the uh, Bay Shore on Saturday. And I'll wander down, go eventually into the dressing room, wander out into the warm-up and skate with the attack and talk to guys as we're warming up for the game. They're playing the Peterborough Peets. And then bring Bobby Ryan into the dressing room and have Bobby, I'm giving away secrets here, but uh, <laughs> so, but Bobby's going to, you know, do the starting lineup for the OHL game that night. So that'll be a really neat treat. And Mike Fuda was the GM at the time. I remember uh, I used to referee up here and uh, I was doing junior B, but they would, uh, Fuda and Brian Burke were scouting heavily uh, Bobby Ryan uh, because he was uh, in line to go after Crosby in that NHL draft in the lottery. So, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, he definitely had a special childhood. We featured him when we were here for Rogers hometown hockey years ago and how his mom melody was so important to his uh, belief in himself. And the other thing that he was really good at, and you see it with Connor Bedard and you see it with McDavid is uh, inline skating, the, the rollerblades. That that's why he was so special. He could do everything in a phone booth. I'm, I'm, Hockey Day in Canada is one of my favorites. Uh, hometown hockey was was one of my favorites as well. It was always great to kind of get into those little communities and share a little bit. Like, are, how much of the Owen Sound story are you going to share on Saturday? Well, the funny part is, is we've got a 15-hour broadcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a crazy one because we're doing the PWHPA out of the gate at 9 in the morning, Calgary time. Uh, uh, Ron, got... sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's nothing for our own Pat Steinberg 15 hours <laughs> yeah. on the air at the time. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I've had some sessions that lasted 15 hours, but not on the air. Uh, anyway... <laughs> It will be that kind of a storytelling day, and uh, and the problem is where to place what. Uh, so yeah, we've got yeah. we've got a great song chosen, a couple of songs, but uh, that's a neat story. And and the history here is Billy Bishop, the great flying ace uh, from World War One, who flew for both Canada and for the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, he this is his hometown. His granddaughter Diana is going to walk me through the museum. Uh, obviously, Ryan Leslie has connections to Tom Thompson, the great painter who inspired the group of seven. Uh, Leith is just a little community outside of uh, 
be like Okotoks to Calgary, so uh, just outside Owen Sound. And so you've got the greatest painter in the country. You've got Heather Hiscock, CBC News journalist, is from here. You've got Norman Bethune, who uh, kind of created the system of blood transfusions and was a legendary doctor. He's from here. So there's a rich history aside from the hockey history, but the hockey history is good too. And, and one cool story that, you know, we're so connected to Calgary this weekend because Kelly Rudy's in uh, Cassie Campbell, Pasco, Ryan Leslie, it's his town. Um, I mentioned Dale DeGray. Uh, but Cassie's daughter, Brooke, plays on the weekends. The reason Cassie doesn't do Hockey Night in Canada is because she's got Brooke to deal with. She really wants to go to her games on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then she rolls down and does Roger Monday Night Hockey with David Amber in the panel. But it's too bad we don't get Cassie, but she'll be here with us. And I think of her because they, they have great rules here. They have an outdoor rink at Harrison Park called the Order of Good Cheer Rink. And the rules in the day 100 years ago were you could skate on odd number days, you could figure skate on even number days and or hmm. public skate. So they had a good sense of diversity and inclusion way, way ahead of their time. Ron McLean, Hockey Night in Canada host, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, Ron, the state of the game right now, I think it's, it's very exciting. All of a sudden, leads aren't safe. It feels like kind of like the 80s a little bit, doesn't it? That uh, two-goal leads aren't what they used to be, especially in the late mid to late 90s, early 2000s, when defense was really suffocating the game. Now it feels like we're more free-flowing like we were in those ages, as you mentioned, the Paul Coffees, the Wayne Gretzkys, the Glenn Andersons. Does that feel like that to you right now? It does. And, and one of the things I'm happiest about is it's the great players are shining like back in the let's say early 90s when Mario and Wayne and you know the the numbers were off the charts Patty LaFontaine whoever Sergei Fedorov they could all and then it was funny everybody complained that the game was you know too too much obstruction let's get the star players some more room out there and after they did that it actually didn't pan out uh, the, the game didn't really seem to favor the big players because everybody crowded in front of the net and it was hard to get anything through but somehow some way in the last couple of seasons uh, it's opened up, and you are seeing McDavid go end to end every night, and you are seeing, you know, uh, just so much skill out there. And and the big seems to be the big <clears throat> way they broke that uh, collapsing down into the house and defending is by having the fourth guy, the defenseman, become a huge part of it. So you see it in Calgary. There's just about every guy on the blue line there can can join the attack. I mean, when you see Zadorov become a weapon it's uh it's an indication of how the game has changed it was once maybe uh rasmus anderson uh now it's every guy back there hannafin can do it tanif can do it etc and that's and that's throughout the league you know you you need to have that dimension of the the fourth guy in on the offense and it is very exciting and uh you know the goaltending is that uh, you, you can have your debate with uh either your analytics people or somebody who knows goaltending about Vladar and uh, Markstrom and the difference, but they're both great goaltenders, right? And again, when you see, I love when Markstrom does those windmill two pad stacks. I mean, he throws those in every so often, but they're, they're great. And yeah, I think Calgary, you know, they're kind of well built for the, for the new game, a defense that can play good goaltending. And obviously they have some tons of talent up front. Ron, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing all this offense in the league is that the the younger players that are coming into the league, A, they're coming into the league earlier, and B, they've got a ton of skill that wasn't necessarily in every single player in the NHL back in the 80s and, and in the 90s. But I'm also impressed by the personalities of these players and how they share them. Does that impress you as well? For sure. Uh, I, I will say, you know, it, it's still like Team Canada, the World Juniors, came out and did the Michigan twice. Jeff O'Neill, I was glad that he brought it up at the first intermission, I'm sure, to his mm-hmm. 
you know, peril on Twitter, but uh, he, he just <laughs> said, look, you know, this is a serious hockey tournament and there's a, so you, you, you want to be careful with all that. I, and I don't mean to be like he said, I, he's old school and I'm still a little bit old school. You, you want to be careful, like not to argue with your point, cause you're so right. I mean, who, who's going to say that Trevor Zegers and Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid aren't a, at a, a notch above what we used to have. But I will say, Gary Lehman used to be able to do the Zegers in his sleep. When I when I was covering the Leafs in the 80s, I mean, I was stunned at how he could pick up the puck on his backhand, forehand. It didn't matter where the puck was, up against the dasher, nothing would dissuade him from just taking his blade and holding that puck like it was, uh, you know, a cup of soup, or I mean a spoonful of soup. Uh, but he didn't do that stuff in games because it would be worth his life. Somebody would have poleaxed him or you know, haymakered him. It was a different time and no showboating was allowed. And, and that's, that was too bad because that, that denied a lot of great skill. But, but beyond that, you know, within the, within the, how you play a sport or a team sport and respect your opponent. Um, I will always sort of side with uh, Jeff O'Neill's of the world when they say, just be careful that you're, you're not out there to showboat or to entertain at the expense of uh, a game. Well, you mentioned some of those names. Okay, I'll, give, sorry, I'll give you an analogy. Bono, sure. you know, lead singer, his new book out, Surrender. Uh, he just says, stay within the song. You know, that, that's the advice they have to keep coming mm-hmm. back to when, when they perform. And they always, they always say a little prayer before they start a show. Hope will uh, serve a purpose. And he says, I know that sounds dull, but it's a really good uh, lesson mm-hmm. that they learned, uh, you know, over the history uh, of a great rock and roll career. Uh, Ron, you mentioned those names like Azegris, Bedard, whoever the young stars McDavid are in the NHL. I think a lot of hockey fans around the world are frustrated that we haven't had a best-on-best competition in years, especially with what Canada and the U.S. could put on the ice. Obviously, some incredible talent. We're we're all just yearning for this best-on-best tournament. Obviously, the Olympics happened what they were with COVID, and that was super frustrating. Can I throw a a, a really uh, half-brain idea your way, and I want to get your opinion on it because you're so articulate and so smart? Well, let's hope okay. <laughs> that I am. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Here we go, Ron. What if we had a best-on-best best hockey tournament at the Summer Olympics in 24 in Paris? Yeah, well, I, I do think, you know, lots of them flip into seasons like soccer. When I was at uh, Sarajevo during the 2010 Olympics was a CTV event, so I went skiing because I had a buddy who lived over in Croatia, and we met at Sarajevo, which was an Olympic host city in 1984. They didn't care about the Olympics. They were watching soccer. Soccer is a winter sport in Europe. Yeah. So there, there's no excuse to not, uh, I mean, the Canada Cup was brilliant and it was played in September. Uh, we've just gone through a couple of seasons where the Stanley Cup was handed out in the summertime. So I, I'm all for it. it. Whatever we can do, because I agree wholeheartedly, that's, that was one of the first things that hit me was, my God, wouldn't it be great to, you know, change our name to Conrada and have David <laughs> and Bedard? <laughs> <laughs> out there, you know, you, you definitely pine. And then just even seeing what the U18 women's and the World Junior uh, U20 just did uh, to excite, uh, to unite, uh, for all our trouble, uh, you know, with uh, the game and some of the cultural issues that, that we're working on, that was a reminder of how powerful and transformative and how great the game is when it's played best on best. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Speaking of Canada, Ron, do you think there's a Canadian team with a chance to win the whole darn thing this year? Well, I mean, 
McDavid is, it's hard. To, I don't know how you feel. Cause I said, Calgary has a great team and they can win. Calgary won when Edmonton was Gretzky led. Uh, and so, well, they actually didn't win with, he was gone to LA when they won, but they certainly gave Edmonton fits even with Gretzky, but it was always Mark said, you know, when we see Wayne, we, we know at some point it's going to happen. And I feel, I don't know how you do, but with him, it's just like, how are they, you know, they're, they're reeled off four in a row and they're starting to look like they're building again. Um, but I just think he's a, he's at the top level right now and he's in his prime. Um, I definitely feel they're a threat. I think Calgary's, you know, like Winnipeg playoff built. And I do think Toronto, you know, if they can now their goaltending is starting to stumble and that's going to be a, a huge question mark for the Leafs because they're in such a tough division. Um, but yeah, those, those four do have a chance. And I, I feel like Edmonton, I wouldn't want to play Edmonton. That That's the team I would be afraid of. Um, Ron, does it get to a point with Connor McDavid? And I and I don't want to anger the listeners of Edmonton because I know you're you're a national broadcast, but obviously we're here in Calgary. Where does it get to a point with Connor McDavid? He's 26 years old. He can look around the greats of the game: Lemieux, Gretzky, Crosby. They already had their cups before they were 26. Here, right? Is right. there a point where Connor goes? How many more years do I have to wait or play in this city before I get my chance to actually hoist the Stanley Cup? Do I believe Connor McDavid would be a Stanley Cup champion? Yes. Do I believe, Ron, that he could win it at Edmonton? I'm not quite sure. Well, you know, the cap makes it, just watching the shenanigans in Vancouver, tells you all you need to know about how hard it is to build a team. And, you know, you, you can be handed Chicago. They managed uh, somehow, you know, with Taves and Kane to have that one-two punch, just like Dreisaitl and McDavid is for Edmonton and like Malkin and Crosby was for Pittsburgh. They were able to surround them, and that's that is the battle, right? And they did it with, I would say, good goaltending, but not superstar goaltending. Corey Crawford is not a superstar, and they won their first with Niemi. So the Hawks managed without that, you know, stud goaltender. But you do need to have that stud defenseman, and that's a question mark for the Oilers. Is Darnell Nurse that guy? You know, Duncan Keith and Seabrook became that duo. Uh, certainly, as a rule, it's the bigger guys like the Colton Parekos or the Chris Prongers or the Dano Charas that become your your stud defenseman. But you know, if they can get good performance from Darnell, uh, then then I definitely think they can win right away. I think McDavid not winning early is a is a situation born of the cap. Um, but I. I I can see him, you know, like a lot of a lot of the defense. Uh, Lindstrom won seven Norris trophies all after the age of 31. Doug Harvey, seven Norris trophies all after the age of 31, 31 or older. So, you know, there's time for McDavid and that crew. But as you know, it's also hard to keep a team together. They say the cap's going up. Hmm. So if that's true, if it does hop up the five million or so in the next couple of years, then they should be able to build accordingly. Ron, this has been some great storytelling uh, for the last 20 minutes, but unfortunately yesterday there was a story that kind of took over the NHL. Philadelphia was hosting their Pride Night. Ivan Provorov opted not to take part in the warm-up and wear the Pride jersey, did play in the game. The Flyers end up winning it 5-2, to two. and uh, this one has kind of taken the NHL world by storm over the, the next uh, you know ensuing 12-ish hours. Uh, what was your reaction last night as this all started to kind of come to light? Well, it reminded me of being on the ice at the Edmonton Oil Kings game last year at the end of uh, our Rogers hometown hockey season. We were uh, there for the national anthem, and Luke Prokop was on the blue line in front of me. And I have to tell you, it was like being on a launch pad at Cape Canaveral or uh, being at the Lushniki Ice Palace in Moscow in terms of history, just feeling the power of what he represented. So, you know, in in that regard, um, I, I just feel bad that, 
you know, what are you going to say about when someone cites religion as their reason? How, how am I, uh, you know, look, you look at the world and the, the whole world, global world right now. Uh, the Taliban is back running Afghanistan. Um, things are crazy right now in Iran and Iraq a little bit in terms of who's, you know, I think Iraq's kind of calling this Tunisia is, uh, you know, the whole world has that element and always probably will of uh, religion versus uh, the secular approach to leadership. So that's that's where he went. And uh, I guess I guess my hope is, you know, rather than these polarizing knee jerk thousand likes, thousand dislikes, everybody's at each other's throat. Um, I, I don't begrudge, uh, you know, his individual freedom. Um, I, I don't support it but I don't begrudge his right. And I, and I think, you know, on the flip side, I just look to Prokop and I look to those who lead in the LGBTQ two plus community and say, yeah, so with you, I'm, I'm such an ally and we'll leave it at that. Ron McLean, host of hockey night in Canada, Saturday hockey day in Canada, live from Owen sound, just 15 hours, Ron get rested. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> those French fries, you'll see them. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to it. Best fries yeah. in the O. Thanks Ron. Yeah. Cheers you guys. Uh, and there's Ron McLean on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Who's got the best fries in Alberta, or in at least Calgary? Because Man, fries isn't an arena thing, right? I, I, Definitely. The oh, smell yeah. of it when you walk in, you get in the... The cardboard box, it's greasy, little ketchup on the side. I am partial, and it's going to be a homer take, but the Spring Bank fries, uh, if you were ever playing out at Red Dutton or Joe Phillips, the best. Okay. They were the best. Like crinkle or straight cut? They were a, <laughs> oh. they were a crinkle oh, damn right. with yep. a seasoning salt on it, like mm. not just normal salt with a little seasoning salt on it. They did not goof around. They did an excellent job. I haven't been doing the the minor hockey rink circuit in Calgary a whole lot over the last couple of years, so it may have changed since uh, you know the last decade that I've been out of the rink fry game. Yeah, but I'd be interested to see what the text line thinks. Um, do they have fry trucks in Alberta? What do you mean by like fry trucks, like food oh, so, trucks? So clearly they don't. So growing up in Niagara Falls, downtown Niagara Falls. They have a, a fry truck. It was like a food truck, but just all they did was fries. And they were fantastic. Well, we have food trucks. I'm sure there's yeah, everyone one that has just, food trucks. I'm sure there's I mean, one like, that does this just thing, fries. Old school, just French fries out of this truck. And then you got the vinegar on it. Yeah. Oh, I love the vinegar. Uh, by the on way, the fries. Americans, what? You blow their mind if you put vinegar on fries. I feel like they have no idea why. I feel They're like, like do you need to clean something? Why are you grabbing <laughs> vinegar? They have no idea. I feel like it's a British thing that oh, kind of stems from that, like vinegar. A, the fish and chips. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh, is that your Australian oh, accent or little, your British accent? I don't know. They're all over the place today. Yeah. I don't think we need to really okay. dissect the accents. They're just going to be there. And, you know, a little stray vinegar winds up on a fry, and all of a sudden, what a happy surprise we found. Uh, 960, 960. Who's got the best arena fries in Calgary? Spring Bank. Go Stop influencing the, the people. I'm just saying that every other take is wrong. Uh, 8 o'clock hour, super busy. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHL. We're going to ask him. We gave you the numbers on Vladar and Markstrom. Uh, apparently the Flames statistically play better in front of Vladar. Uh, we'll, ac- we'll ask Luke, did, did it matter? Did he know? Was he, was he aware or was he just worried about staying in the show? Whoever <laughs> was in net. Oh, jeez. We'll ask Luke that. Well, he didn't have a long career, but I, I think it's a valid question. 
I'm not I'm not besmirching him. Well, I think we all knew, but I didn't think you had to mention it. Okay. You could have just said, did you trust your goalie or not? Yeah. You, Matt, you didn't have to catch him with a stray. Uh, Matt Devlin, uh, the play-by-ploy, play-by-ploy, play-by-play voice <laughs> of the Raptors will join us. Say that three times. Fast. Devlin and all of his ploys. His ploys. All of his, all of and, his uh, bruises. Intern Noah will tell you how Canada did at the Australian Open. It's all straight ahead. 8 o'clock hour, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960. You'll see you open.